Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joining me, as always, fellow 444.com writer, Mr. Connor Allen. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. Um, had a pretty good week of props. Can't complain too much about everything overall. Um, you know, just just hoping that uh, we avoid any more, you know, COVID-positive tests being released and we can play, you know, hopefully three quarters of a week of football. You know, I'm, I'm, that's that's always my goal. And then hopefully the, the people who actually spend time thinking about this can figure a plan out that really I don't think is all that hard. But, we'll, I mean, we'll see. You never know. I wouldn't put it past the NFL to mess this up. They are greedy. It is the NFL. They will find a way to get every team to cram in 16 games, 16 gates as much as they can. Although the, you know, the Dolphins today said everyone can come on in uh, <laughs> in Florida. So we'll see what's going to happen. I don't know. I, I had to, I don't want to waste a lot of our time on looking back at my bad beats of week four, but um, I, well, first of all, I had the uh, Pats team total in a parlay uh, that was pre-cam. So I was sitting there with a really nice ticket needing uh Brian Hoyer to get me to 24 points and those bastards of FanDuel did not even offer me a cash out option because they knew they had me bent over holding my ankle. <laughs> that, that did not go over well. And then my alt line parlay that needed the Cowboys plus 10 and a half. I, I've never experienced anything like that before in my life. Odell scores a touchdown late. They're attempting to go up by 10 with the extra points. But no, Dallas blocks the extra point, and Cleveland recovers for a two-point conversion to put them up by 11. And Dak teases me, drives them all the way down, and throws an interception at the five. So I lost a very nice alt-leg parlay by a hook on a blocked extra point attack <laughs> that was recovered for a two-point. Do not bet on sports, people. Uh, not, not in this year. I don't know, but hang on. We got a great guest. We're excited to talk week five. Uh, our guest this week is the editor-in-chief at Fantasy Labs. He is the host of the Action Network NFL Fantasy Flex podcast. The returning guest that we've had on the show, one of our personal favorites, Matthew Friedman. What's going on, buddy? Thanks for having me, guys. I, I have a similar bet, although not as nearly drastic as yours, but I had the Melvin Gordon under, and it was yep. under – until that last run, which was, you know, like a 50 yard touchdown or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, that was a little, a little bit painful, but not nearly on the scale of a blocked uh, extra kick uh, extra point going in for the two point conversion. That's just brutal. I have never seen that. And because it's like an alt line, no one's, no one else was sweating Cowboys plus 10 and a half with me. (laughs) It just was, it was painful, but yeah, we'll jump into the week here. As Connor said, we obviously are dealing with, some COVID issues and we'll tackle it as we can here. But uh, before we do want to let you know about um, our friends over at underdog. We all love snake drafts. We got all started in, in snake drafts back in the day. Uh, We all love big prizes, but we don't all love big entry fees or multi-week contests. So underdog fantasy just released an all new format for their snake drafts. It's called battle Royale in battle Royale. You draft a one week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against other teams in your specific draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. This way they pull together the prizes so they can offer big tournament style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format. Uh, if you think this is your week and you could draft the best team, you have to try Battle Royale. It offers big upside uh, that a normal snake draft can't, and the prizes are easily attainable in season long or salary cap tournaments. First Battle Royale already up in the Underdog app and on the website, just five bucks to enter with a $25,000 prize pool paying up 5,000 in first place. Uh, so look up Underdog Fantasy on your app in the App Store or go to underdogfantasy.com to play today and make your first deposit today and use the code 444. Let them know we sent you. So uh, we're jumping into the bye weeks officially here in week five. We had an impromptu bye week in week four due to COVID, but we have the Packers and the Lions off the slate here. Scoring has been through the roof. Looks like books finally adjusting a little bit. We have some totals that are really high in games and matchups that we wouldn't typically peg for that. But again, over 36, 26, and 1 on the season. Average points per game is a little over 51, which is wild through the first four weeks. Uh, and eight games this week have a spread of more than a touchdown. So kind of feels like a nice week for a monster teaser if you are uh, dipping your toes into the exotics. So let's jump into it. First game has... 
the Bengals on the road against the Ravens spread here at 13 total at 51. Uh, somehow the Bengals covered 10 and a half in this spot last year. Uh, early lean from the public has them doing so again, according to the action networks, public betting report looks like about 80% of the handle so far taking the points in this one. And I get it. 13 points in the division is pretty rich. What are your thoughts on this one? Freeman? Yeah, uh, I'm with, I'm with them there. Uh, I, Grabbed it at 13 and a half pretty quickly once it opened. And there's a, uh, a trend that I found in the, uh, the bet, the bet labs database where, um, divisional road dogs tend to do pretty well, especially in the first half of the season. Or it, a better way of thinking about it is before, uh, December and January when these teams are rematching. Um, you know, at that point, the, the favorites tend to do better, but divisional road dogs in September, November, uh, they hit around a 9% uh, clip for uh, rate on return. The, um, the actual against the, uh, the spread record there is 354, 280 and 23. So uh, just kind of big picture uh, road dogs in division uh, is kind of where I want to be this week. And then also as great as Lamar Jackson is um, opponents are actually, 10 and four when they are uh, road dogs playing in Baltimore uh, against Lamar Jackson. So uh, I think it's just a situation where uh, the line tends to get a little too inflated or maybe Baltimore just doesn't really you know put the hammer down the way that they could. Um, but uh, you know, road dogs in Baltimore against Lamar have actually done pretty well. And that would work from a fantasy perspective. We'd love to have this game stay a little bit closer. Lamar was the QB2, QB1 in these two matchups last year. We know there's lots of injuries up front on Cincinnati's side. I think they're going to be hard-pressed to slow them down, but that doesn't mean they can't keep it close, especially with how Joe Burrow was really played early in the season. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Connor? Yeah, you know, I've been I'm buying the Bengals pretty much uh, all season. Um, I kind of like the team total here. It'll probably be around like 18 and a half to 19. Um, I like them to go over that potentially. Um I mean, they've scored 30, 23, and 33 points in the last three games. I know those are against much worse defenses, but still, um, you know, then them hitting that, like that 20 mark, I think, seems very, very reasonable. Um, and also, I don't think that Burroughs should face too much pressure. Baltimore is eighth worst in pressure rate right now, and part of that is due to them not blitzing as, as much as they used to. But, um, you know, over at, at FTN, they have the pressure rate at eighth worst. So I think that maybe Burrow, you know, won't be under pressure the entire game. I know the Bengals' offensive line has really struggled, but – Still, um, I think this could be an okay spot for Burrow. They also, the Ravens also just allowed 300 yards to Dwayne Haskins, who was just promptly benched, um, you know, midweek. So I think that this is actually an okay spot here for Cincinnati to score around 20 points. Uh, it's not nothing that I would be super excited about them. I think the ceiling is, you know, fairly low, but I think that the floor is higher than what the market's giving them here. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Freeman made the right play. Uh, I, I probably be interested to see what it, what it does. I don't know that I would lean that way. Uh, I mean, I lean that way. I don't know that I would uh, take the bet. Uh, just knowing the upside that comes with with uh, with Baltimore in this offense. And again, the Bengals prone to give up big plays. They're 27th in explosive run rate allowed, 26th in explosive pass rate allowed. So we know that that kind of fits what the Ravens want to do. Could be a really nice spot for Hollywood Brown. He's been tackled on the one a couple different times this year. He's been kind of just really on the precipice of breaking out. So another guy, T. Higgins, is definitely an ascending player as well, starting to eat into the A.J. Green snap share and um, you know even a little bit of targets in the slot last week too. I know that we see a lot of Tyler Boyd slot targets, but uh, Higgins had, a, I believe, a third of his routes run last week came from the slot. So could be an interesting one. I would definitely lean on taking the points, though, if you were taking a side. All right, next we are staying in the division or in a division, Carolina on the road against the Falcons. Uh, Falcons favored by one here, total pretty hefty as well, 54. This one opened at three and a half, which I thought would get down to three pretty quickly, but we moved through a key number. Uh, the public seems to have very little faith in the Falcons. I understand that. I do not know who they are starting in the secondary this week. They have a shit ton of injuries. They, they were not looking good to begin with, so – Whoever the backups were to the bad guys are going to be starting against Carolina. And we know Carolina's defense too, uh, the youngest unit in the league. Uh, lots of rookies in that one too. Kind of sets up for a lot of points. What do you think, Connor? 
Yeah, I don't have too much to take on the side. I think that's kind of already like pretty well factored into this market. Um, the Carolina has looked, you know, a lot better in the past few weeks, but I think it is worth noting that uh, Atlanta is a little bit of a pass funnel. Uh, they're like 8.5 yards per attempt through the air, and they've been pretty good against opposing runners. But I think this is a great spot for Mike Davis to continue um, seeing a lot of the work in the passing game. Um, he is basically no competition at this point. He's seeing a ton of usage, um, and now he gets a great matchup against an Atlanta team, which you know this year hasn't necessarily followed with their normal trend. But still, um, I think that you know, given their their secondary woes and, and everything that's been going on with their, them being a pass funnel, I think that Mike Davis has a pretty big, another big day through the air. Um, and other than that, I think it also could be a good bounce back spot for Matt Ryan, um, Carolina's second worst in pressure rate. Even though Carolina has actually been fairly good against opposing quarterbacks this year, I, I'm not really reading in too much into that. I think that with Julio and Ridley healthier and them not being able to pressure Matt Ryan, he should be able to perform pretty well. Well, I think there's a big question. I think that has been driving the number really is the status of the Atlanta pass catchers. Obviously, Julio, very limited last game. Uh, Ridley threw up an air ball, uh, you know, was limited in practice all week. So definitely is a thing driving the number here. What are your thoughts, Freeman? Yeah, I'm actually assuming that Julio is going to be out given that he sat out the second half of the game. And uh, I think he sat out practice on Wednesday. So I'm just going to be a little more pessimistic. And and that's part of why I I jumped on uh, Panthers plus three and a half as early as I saw that. But let's be honest, like I I don't need much more incentive to bet against Dan Quinn. Uh, I mean, like his days are numbered. Like you have to just seize the day and bet against him every opportunity you get at this point because he he is gone, I think, in a, a matter of weeks. And I mean, Dan Quinn as a home favorite, uh, I mean, just bet against that all day long. Underdog opponents against Quinn's Falcons are 33 and 18 against the spread. And that doesn't even take into account the fact that uh, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, I think, is something like 19 and five against the spread as an underdog. Uh, I mean, I just I I think the, the Panthers should be favored. And I think that by the time this game kicks off, they probably will be like it's it's headed that direction now. Like if we're already from minus three and a half to minus one and it's not even Thursday yet, like this, this is going to the Panther side. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. I got three. I didn't get three and a half. I would love to have the hook, but I think you're right. I mean, I think it gets to a pick them, if not, you know, Friday by definitely by kickoff. It was keep catching steam. The one thing that's wild here is, I mean, the offseason debate around the viability of the Carolina pass catchers, it was Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson. But now we're like, we're in Robbie or DJ Moore territory, which is really wild. Um, you know, we know that Robbie wanted to play with Teddy. For some reason, they really enjoyed each other on the Jets practice squad a few years ago. Um, and they just were like, hey, we're going to, we're going to double back and we're going to make this happen. And uh, yeah, I mean, Robbie is, basically running the DJ Moore routes and DJ Moore is running the old Curtis Samuel routes. And it's just very, very, very strange in Carolina, but it seems to be working for them at least a little bit. They got two wins already. And I think they had what a five and a half total coming into the season and definitely thought that they had a shot to be better than this Falcons team. And I think you get started here. Um, backing up for the Falcons too. I want to look at the prop market when that pops out, obviously we have no Julio and maybe even a limited Ridley, but, uh, you know, 15 targets the past two weeks from a 3K punt on DraftKings with Zacchaeus here. I think he's going to be interesting. I think the prop market is probably pretty light on him based on name value alone. And, you know, I like that target, those target numbers in this matchup where I think, you know, both teams are going to be passing quite a bit. So want to keep an eye out for sure. And again, you can still get plus money on the Carolina money line. Like you lost the best of the number at this point, but you could probably still get plus odds and that's something probably worth jumping on sooner than later. All right, lots of division games in week five. We have the Raiders on the road against Kansas City for the next one. Chiefs, 13-point favorites here at home. 56.5 is the total. Uh, Kansas City covered both matchups very comfortably in 2019. Both games also went under the total, basically solely on the ineptitude of the Raiders offense, who scored 9 and 10 points in the two games. And now we have a KC defense that is taking steps forward. They fifth overall in total DVOA defensively first and past DVOA. And they're allowing the third fewest points per drive in the league. If this team starts playing elite defense, buckle up. You can flush those Ravens futures down the toilet, Connor. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Freeman? Yeah. If I had to take a side on the total, um, I would be going under 
Um, just, you know, like the arrowhead under has historically been profitable, but, uh, and I haven't bet on this game yet, but I'm, I'm also looking at, um, you know, Andy Reed within division. He's just, he has slapped around the AFC West <laughs> for years. He's 28, 14 and one against the spread within division. And, you know, of course, some of that is to do with Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes on his own is 26, 12 and two against the spread. And, you know, I just really want no part of, uh, of the Raiders right now. So I, I don't know if I'm betting on this game, but if I am, I'm certainly not betting on the Raiders. I know that. Yeah. I Raiders team total looks to be, it's off the board strangely, uh, but looking like based on implied team totals, it's about 22. So I think getting them on the wrong side of the key number, I think is something that's appealing. Just betting it uh, under on the Chiefs sometimes can be white knuckle. Uh, so I don't necessarily want that per se, but if I can just, hemorrhage out the Raiders by themselves and take that under. Um, that would be something I'm very much interested in. And Mahomes has torched the Raiders in his career. I mean, it's Mahomes. He's torching everyone, but just has had a field day against this defense. They get no pressure. Um, really, they're an equal opportunity provider for offensive performance. And I think that's is going to happen again here. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Connor? I, I think – the best way to attack this is probably to try and hope that the Raiders score first, and then maybe you can get like a live bet in. Um, I, I still lean the chiefs here, you know, at um, minus 13 or minus 13 and a half, anything less than minus 14. I mean, this Raiders team, I think is just like maybe some of the biggest frauds in the NFL in terms of just like what their performance has been versus like the numbers, their defense has been not very good overall in terms of efficiency, fifth worst in pressure rate, 27th in rushing success rate allowed 19th, Passing success rate allowed, 30th in explosive run rate, like dead last in adjusted line yards allowed. I think that brings me to a point here where Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think, is going to have a great day on the ground. Um, and he has had a lot of usage, and I think that his production has been, I mean, relatively empty compared to what we're expecting. Um, so I think this is going to be a fantastic day. I'm very interested to see where the prop market opens his numbers at. Um, and then potentially Darren Waller as well, who had 63 and 100 yards on six and seven receptions last season against the Chiefs. They're massive underdogs. They're going to be throwing the whole game. Um, so, yeah, I would probably say Waller and uh, Renfro potentially with all the pass catchers banged up, you know, in decent spots here to potentially attack overs in the prop market. Just to add in something there, totally agree with Connor on Clyde edwards Lair. This is the smash game. Like, yeah. this is the game where it, it all comes together. The Raiders have been horrible against running back so far. I, I believe allowing the most fantasy points in the league or close to it uh, to uh, opposing running backs. The Chiefs have a slate high implied Vegas total right now. You know, edwards Lair has basically gone through his preseason with the first four games that we've had now, I think it's just a total smash bot. I would expect him to be the highest owned um, player, uh, not just running back, but probably player in, in tournaments this week. And uh, I mean, almost like an automatic lock in cash games. Yeah. He's hard. He's hard to get away from, um, you know, running back. I think this week there's maybe four or five guys that are really pencils above the rest, depending on that. I think the health of the Niners backfields, but I, I feel like, it's hard to get off of of Edwards Hilaire. I think he's a little bit of a value too because he hasn't found the red zone or the end zone yet. So I think there's some some uh, baked in touchdown regression there too. I want to take an L on Darren Waller. I mean, I I, I thought he was going to have a difficult time paying off his ADP because of the ancillary pieces that they upgraded in the off season, and he just is basically putting up wide receiver one type volume. Obviously, Henry Ruggs being out helped that too. Ruggs was a limited participant in practice today but um yeah he's been a baller and kind of fits what they, you know Carr wants to do he does not want to push the ball down the field and uh waller gets open so uh his props in a negative game script could be pretty interesting especially if rugs ends up sitting out here too so there's just so much volume there for him all right so we are moving out of division but we're staying in state we have the eagles on the road against the steelers uh this one's at seven total at 43 and a half on DraftKings, uh, the Eagles do not have to travel very far, but Sunday night game on the West Coast in week four, facing the Steelers who are coming off of a extended bye week here. Really good spot. I, I really love the Steelers in this one. I'm worried about Carson Wentz. I think the injuries, obviously, to the supporting cast are certainly an issue, but I think the week one spooked him with that offensive line, Did, seeing a ton of pressure, had a little bit of that uh, I'm seeing ghost Sam Darnold stuff going on. Also, out of all quarterbacks that have started every game this season, only Dwayne Haskins 
has a worse uh, completion percentage over expectation than Wentz. That obviously would change with Haskins finding the pine this week, but he's really struggled. Pittsburgh, we know how they pressure, lean the league in pressure rates. Uh, I think they're absolutely going to give Wentz and the Eagles fits. What are your thoughts here uh, for Connor? Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I think we actually grabbed this like a week in advance. Um, you know, I mean, coming in, coming into last week's game, I thought the Eagles might actually be in a worse position than they are now. You know, I think we both predicted them to lose the 49ers. Yeah. And this spread to, proje- to be closer to like seven and a half or even eight in some spots if that happened. I think we were also projecting, you know, a Steelers win against the Titans, which obviously, you know, didn't play out. So a few of those factors went into it. But still, I think I like the Steelers here at seven points. Um, I mean, this Eagles offensive line is basically starting, you know, like half backups. The receiving core is entirely banged up. Zach Ertz looks like he's basically dust. Um, so, I mean, on the offense, there's major concerns, and their defense is fine. Um, but, you know, definitely nothing that I think should slow down the Pittsburgh offense, which seemed to really be getting, you know, each week I feel like they seem to be getting better. Um, and so I think that, you know, this is a good spot for the Eagles or the Steelers here to win by, you know, maybe 10 to 14 points. So I, I like the Steelers at minus seven. Yeah, I jumped on it in the look-aheads and messaged you about it because I exactly you said I thought – We'd get to eight, eight and a half if those things kind of worked out in week four, as we thought. But again, Philly showed up and, you know, here we are sitting on the best of the number still. So Freeman, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I I agree with you guys. We have seen that number bump up to seven and a half at some books. So I I think it's starting to creep towards that eight that you you thought we might see. We might get there. Um, I would lean a little more towards the under. Uh, in, in this game, I'm kind of thinking that, as you mentioned, this offensive line for the Eagles is just totally decimated. Uh, going against that, um, that Steelers defense, I could see it being a situation where the Eagles just find it really hard to keep up their part of the bargain in getting this game to 44, 45 points. And if the Steelers don't have the pressure to score a lot of points, I could see them being totally content running the ball for a pretty big chunk of the game. So that, you know, makes me think a little more towards the under in this spot. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm betting on a side, it's definitely the Steelers here. Yeah, if there's a 44 and a half out there somewhere, then I would definitely be interested in in the under. I think that would be that'd be helpful. Um, I know yeah. it's kind of moving right around that number, 44, 43s. So yeah, there's a 44 and a half right now at BetMGM. I think yep. that's the only one that I see left out there in the market. And there's a 43 and a half out there at bet 365. So it's, it's starting to move. Yeah. MGM. I need it. We don't, I don't have access to MGM yet, but I see some of the props they post and I'm excited to get access to MGM soon. Hopefully here in Illinois, they are uh, slowly, but surely, man, we're getting those books. We're, 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 we're coming there. along. We'll get there. So. All right, next we have the Rams on the road against Washington. Uh, Rams seven-point favorites here, total of 45.5. Look-aheads had this at 9.5. And, and then we're seeing a majority of both bets and money coming in on the Rams so far, but it's moved the other way, dropping to LA minus seven, who uh, will have Kyle Allen under center here for Washington. Um, we have Haskins being benched. Allen, though, hand-picked backup by Ron Rivera and his staff. Uh, basically ignoring... 2019 performance in exchange for familiarity with Scott Turner's offense. We'll see how it goes. What are your thoughts, Freeman? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what to make out of the uh, the benching. I mean, who knows? Um, in, in terms of fantasy, what really intrigues me for this game is Terry McLaurin going against Jalen Ramsey. Like, I think that's going to be just an awesome matchup because Ramsey is you know playing like forgetting about the the week one fake pass interference, which was just like masterful acting. But that aside, like he's playing maybe as well as he's ever played in his career. Like he's traveling inside into the slot to uh to shadow different players. Like he's he's playing incredibly well. And then you have Terry McLaurin, who has just totally broken out in his second season. And he's done that against the the hardest schedule of opposing number one cornerbacks. Uh, and then now he has Jalen Ramsey. So, you know, like the hardest of them all. But this is just, I think, going to be a fantastic matchup and uh, a a real, uh, I don't know, you don't want to put too much in what happens in one game, but sort of like uh, a, an accurate barometer of sort of seeing just how good 
Terry McLaurin actually is at this point, because like I'm getting like Josh Gordon type of vibes from him, like in year two, you know, like he's just in a totally trash situation. He's been utterly dominant and uh, I'm just very excited to see this matchup. He is really fun to watch. It'd be better if, and I don't know that it hasn't happened. I don't want to speak out of turn for Terry McLaurin, but if he slept with any of Ramsey's sisters, (laughs) we know that just the watchability of this game just through the roof. If that's how, I don't know. Maybe he has, but uh, definitely. Or it could go the other way. Maybe Ramsey has has slept with, you know, you never know. So Uh, now we're clicking with gas. I like it. Well, what are your thoughts here, Connor? I, yeah, I don't really know what to make of this game because, I mean, like you said, like it opened at nine, now it's sitting at seven, seven and a half. I mean, do we really think that Kyle Allen's like two and a half points better, two points better than Dwayne Askins? Um, I don't really know. I mean, I, I don't think that I really have a good answer to that. I'd probably guess no, but, I mean, there's also a variety of other factors that could have played into that move as well. And that's, you know, I think probably I had it a little bit closer to seven and a half originally when I, you know, started looking at this game, even with Haskins. Um, I mean, the, the biggest issue is the Rams have just been really volatile. Like, they looked really good in the first few weeks and then just did not look good at all last week against the Giants team, which, um, you know, barely shows signs of life on both sides of the ball. Um, their defense has been, you know, fine, but uh, people have been able to take advantage of that, and the Rams were not able to do that. So it was a little bit tougher for me to break down this one. Uh, so I'm probably off this one just in general. I think that's a big part of it. They kind of just sleptwalked through that game against yeah. the Giants, and that was a big number, and – I think everyone was expecting a lot more from them uh, in that spot. So I'm really just ready for the full-on Antonio Gibson experience to begin. I feel like we keep getting teases of it. And I think if you look at the box score and just look at yardage and how that worked, you would think that it's already started. But we're still just seeing a little too much J.D. McKissick to trust Gibson weekly. But the Rams have really struggled. They're dead last in rushing success rate allowed. I mean, if they're going to – maintain here i think they maybe need to lean a little bit more on the running game and hopefully that means less peyton barber and mckissick and becomes a little bit more of gibson every week i mean i think freeman made a good call we didn't have any preseason games for any rookies this is a rookie that just barely played in college so like he just doesn't have the reps and i think the more nfl game speed reps that he gets they'll be more comfortable using him and he'll be more comfortable in the role so i think he's definitely a buy and an ascending player in the second half of the season for sure. But this is a I'm, sneaky good spot for him. Yeah. I mean, Gibson's already surpassed his final season of college, you know, how many <laughs> career rushing attempts that he had um, in, in the first four games. So, you know, I mean, he's just getting warmed up. I don't know. He was like the most, I don't know, blatant form of like projecting tools and traits and no production, but I don't know. It's well, not no production, I guess, no, no uh, workhorse ability shown. So uh, it's definitely definitely something to look for. That's a good call. Yeah, so far so good. All right, next we have the Cardinals on the road against the Jets. The Cardinals seven point favorites here on the road. A healthy total forty seven and a half here. Back to back road games for the Cardinals, although they wisely stayed east to minimize the travel, which is smart. Uh, Cardinals been on the popular side here early, but the majority of the money flowing in on Joe Flacco and the Jets, which is the most twenty twenty sentence I think you could utter. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Connor? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope I hope Friedman isn't on the side, but like all of these smart people keep betting on the Jets, and I just don't understand it. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't think you are because I think you watch the game. So like a lot of the smart people, <laughs> they don't watch the games. They just look at the numbers. I totally understand. Maybe you want to bet on the Jets, but they are like a lifeless team that is just so bad on both sides of the ball. I mean, I grabbed like a heavy dose of Cardinals at six and a half, like two units normally what I what I do, um, and that was early in the week. I thought this was going to be seven or seven and a half, even though the Cardinals haven't played well. But, I mean, this is a Jets team that is just so, so bad. Now they're rolling out Joe Flacco. I mean, at least Sam Darnold could, like, move. You know, you saw him going uh, Konami code on that touchdown run last Thursday. I mean, Flacco is literally a pocket sloth. Like, he is just nothing, you know, outside of that. And now their offensive line is beat down. Mekhi Becton looks, you know, questionable for this game. Um, and this defense is allowed 27, 31, 36, and 37 points. I mean, if this can't cure the Cardinals offense, I don't know what can. So I think they're in a spot here that um, if they don't score like, you know, 28 or more points, I would be shocked. Um, and I'd have zero faith in the Jets scoring more than 21 points. And I would probably say that they'll score a lot less. So um, I like the Cardinals here, even at seven, even though they're grabbing six and a half, I still like them at seven here. 
Totally agree. I totally agree. I, I grabbed them at seven. Um, the Jets are 0-4 against the spread. And uh, I mean, there's even though they played four games, they're somehow lucky that they're not like 0-6 against the spread. <laughs> they've, just, they've been so bad. And the matchup that I really like in this game is uh, DeAndre Hopkins going against undrafted rookie Lamar Jackson. He's the other Lamar Jackson. Uh, and you know, like, you know, think about how bad someone has to be to be a backup to uh, bless on Austin, uh, who, who is uh, the starting cornerback there who's out now. But uh, I mean, man, this is just like one of the best wide receivers in the league going against a guy who is probably one of the worst cornerbacks in his NFL start, like his first NFL start. It's just, uh, this is like the best matchup we're ever going to see. And of course, you know, all that said, it's going to fail, you know, like he'll, he'll probably have only like three targets or something like that. But uh, yeah. man, I, I mean, this could be a total smash spot for not only for Hopkins, but just that entire offense. Well, I know this is a sore subject for you, Freeman, because I, I know that this is someone you were heavy in early, but we said last week, at least Connor and I, it's kind of a make or break spot for Kenyon Drake. And yeah. <laughs> kind of turns out it was a break. I mean, yeah, uh, Carolina just hemorrhaging yards, touchdowns, catches, and he played a season low snaps, 65%, 35 yards and 13 carries, didn't catch a ball. <laughs> Is this the get right spot of all the things and the issues with the I mean, Jets? Like they can stop the run a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation where the Jets are good on a per opportunity basis. Uh, against running backs, but their offense has been so bad that running backs have had just extra opportunities to produce to outweigh their relative inefficiency. So this could be the the get right spot for Drake. I mean, if it's not now, it's never, you yeah. know, but uh, I mean, it's this weird situation where he keeps on popping up at the top of some of our uh, fantasy labs models, which means I have to write about him, even though I don't really want to write about him. And I just wanted to like tell Sean corner, like, Hey, just do me a favor. like bump his projection down just a little bit. So, <laughs> so he doesn't like pop up at the top of the model, you know, like he can still be respectable. He'll be like top three in the model, just not number one. Um, and like, he was one of the running backs that, although I really liked him in previous seasons this year, I was just off of him. Uh, in uh, in redraft leagues because there were just a lot of other running backs in that like RB8 to 14 range that I just had a lot of uncertainty with and he was one of those guys. So in redraft, I don't have much exposure, but I just, I, I have to write about him every week and it's just killing me. <laughs> he leads the league now in make or break games. This is uh, yes, too. <laughs> I don't know if we can get points for that, but uh, also I saw it too. I, and I wanted to give a shout out. I forget who I saw it from that Kyler set a, a record last week dating back to 1950. His 133 passing yards last week are the fewest ever by a QB with 24 or more completions. So it's that like that sideline to sideline offense that we saw a little bit last year. In the Horizontal raid. Yeah. That's dialed one dialed back yeah. up. <laughs> uh, and that like number two on the list, Shane Matthews and number three, JP Lossman. And Ooh. then unfortunately Kyler is number four on the list. This is his second <laughs> appearance last year against the Niners. He only threw for one fifty, So he kind of set threshold. So we'll see. I mean, there's so much talent there. I'd love to see them just, retire Larry Fitz rest in peace it was a great run let's dial up some of the younger talent and uh see what we can do but we'll see all right another game uh division here AFC South we have Jacksonville on the road against Houston Houston at six here at home 54 is the total we know the Bill O'Brien era has come to an end with Romeo Cornell stepping in as the interim coach uh, so far action has been pretty one-sided Jacksonville taking the majority of the money so far uh, I'm going the other way. I'm buying into the less is more narrative here. The uh, nothing other than conjecture, just removing the Band-Aid and just having some freedom. And this Jacksonville defense is a welcome sight to, I think, an offense that has really stubbed their toe. They obviously had a very difficult schedule to start. We expected a little bit more last week while welcoming Minnesota to Houston. And they just didn't really go as planned but i think that uh, jacksonville is the elixir to solve this here what are your thoughts freeman yeah i i don't have much of an opinion on the line or you know the the total but 
Uh, David Johnson, I hate to say it, is popping in some of our models at Fantasy Labs. And like, I don't want any part of David Johnson, like in general. <laughs> but uh, man, like, if there's one defense you're going to target with a running back, it's the Jags. Like, going back to the second half of last year, they were just destroyed by literally every running back who was getting even just a little bit of playing time. And that has continued into uh, this season where. I mean, Naheem Hines, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Derrick Henry, Miles Gaskin, Joe Mixon last week. Like, it's just, you know, there's like a flow chart. Like, if you're a running back and you're playing the Jags and you get snaps and you're healthy, like, you should be started in fantasy lineups everywhere. Uh, and that's David Johnson and maybe even Duke Johnson this <laughs> week, you know, like really digging deep if you need it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, David Johnson is really standing out. Any concerns about last week with the workload with Duke coming back? Do you think that was game script dependence? Because we saw, you know, he was 81% in week one when they were both healthy. And then we know he was obviously basically handling every snap for the two weeks that Duke was out. But then last year or last week, he only played 55% of the snaps. Duke eating into a lot of that. Do you think that was just because the way the game went? I mean, a little bit, but I do think they intend to get Duke some action because he's, I mean, he's a pretty good player, but uh, I, I think, you know, home favorite, uh, you know, a pretty significant home favorite going against a defense that can't stop a running back. I think Johnson will probably see more like in the 65 to 75% of like the, the snaps uh, and, and get most of the work. But, you know, really, I'm just kind of looking at the bigger trend of like just any running back going against this defense is just dominated. Yeah, well, that makes sense. What are your thoughts, Connor? I want to take Houston like an under a touchdown, but I just don't really know how this team's going to look with Bill O'Brien gone. I mean, I think that it's probably addition by subtraction, you know, with Bill O'Brien, but it's always like weird things happen when coaches get fired. Like, you know, there's always the narrative like that all of the players are going to play harder because there's a new coach and they hated their old coach. I mean, there's all just so much fluff that no one really understands. Um, and that is like nearly impossible to quantify. Um, and so I think in this spot, um, like Tim Kelly is going to take over or back over as offensive coordinator after his one week hiatus with, you know, Bill O'Brien, um, unable to, you know, do anything against the bad Vikings defense. Um, but now, I, I mean, I think that they might just kind of like let Deshaun Watson loose and see how it goes. Um, so I don't know. I think that Will Fuller hypothetically should have a good game. I mean, he's played well in all but one game and DJ Chark last week, you know, showed that he's back. He's healthy. He's playing a lot of snaps, so I'm interested interested to see what the props open at for him. And same with James Robinson, who's just basically playing like 100% of the snaps at this point. Um, and against the Houston defense that has been really allowing a ton of rushing yards and has been uh, really susceptible to the run and, and running back passes, I think that this could be a good spot to maybe take like some James Robinson fantasy points over um, something like that if you can catch like you know a lower number. But uh, it's obviously dependent on what the numbers come out at. Yeah, only back to even touch the ball last week for Jacksonville, which is interesting. And yeah, you mentioned Fuller and Shark. I think they're going to be popular in DFS this week, and rightfully so. You know, stacks or even one-offs. You know, Shark basically returned to an alpha role last week. Had five targets in the red zone, hauled two in for touchdowns, which is nice. Fuller got on the board with a score last week too, as you mentioned. Just a really good spot for for both offenses. And don't tell me I can't equate my narratives into you know, numbers, it's minus six. That's the number <laughs> I quantified my narrative and I am, uh, I'm, I'm leaning into it a little bit, but yeah, I think this is going to be one of the most popular games in, in DFS too. And, you know, props definitely are going to be something we need to, to take a peek at on Friday. If you aren't like sweating props being dropped on Friday afternoon, you're not living life by the way. Like <laughs> you just got to peek, you know, I don't care what you're doing for work. Just refresh that phone, keep clicking refresh in your office Wait for yeah. those new ones to come up on FanDuel or DraftKings and you know, live, live your best life, people. I know Friedman does for sure. He's smart. Uh, I, I, not as much anymore, I, I must say, which is un- unfortunate. I, I feel like uh, my time has been otherwise occupied, but I do, uh, I do really miss uh, just hammering the props to the extent that I used to. It was, uh, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> All right, next we have uh, Miami on the road against the Niners. San Francisco at home here, favored by eight and a half, total at 47. Uh, we really don't know what we're getting uh, quarterback for the Niners, and we really don't know what's happening at the running back position as well. Uh, looked like we had a limited practice here for uh, Raheem Mostert, which is interesting. We don't 
often see like a bell cow running back with Kyle Shanahan. Last week, Jerry McKinnon dominated usage against the Eagles 90, 92% of snaps, um, seven or eight targets, ran a route on 43 or 49 dropbacks. Um, I mean, he scored in every game this season. He is a really interesting play in my mind if indeed Mostert is out again. Uh, we did see Debo ease back into action last week. Good to have him back on the field. The team just looks like they are, once they get everyone healthy, it's definitely going to be a more interesting offense than we've seen so far. George Kittle was not eased back in. He looked unstoppable, handled about 40% of the target share for the Niners there. Obviously a great spot for this offense. What are your thoughts, Freeman? Yeah, I man, I'm torn in a kind of different direction. So on the one hand, you know, I think it's going to be Garoppolo who probably starts, but even, even if it isn't, you know, probably CJ Beathard in that case, going against a Dolphins defense that last year was dead last in the league in PFF coverage grade. And this year, same thing, dead last, you know, like they really haven't improved much. So it's a great matchup uh, for the 49ers quarterback. But on the other side of this, uh, man, there's just something that kind of pulls me and it's more of like a gut feel than anything that has to do with the numbers, but pulls me to the, uh, the dolphins at a plus number here. Um, they're going against a defense that, you know, obviously without Nick Bosa, without D Ford, without Ziggy Ansaw, uh, without, uh, Dre Greenlaw at linebacker, without Solomon Thomas at defensive tackle, and then down all three of their starting cornerbacks and Richard Sherman, Emmanuel Mosley, and Akella Witherspoon. Uh, I, I mean, this just feels like a spot where we could see some Fitz magic. And uh, mm-hmm. as great of a play caller as uh, Shanahan is, and like, and I think that he is truly uh, like one of the the top four uh, offensive play callers in the league. Uh, road underdogs have done really well against Shanahan's 49ers. They're 10, three and one against the spread uh, going into San Francisco. Uh, and so um, I don't know, man, there's just something uh, again, this is more of a, a, a feel instead of like the numbers of something I can quantify, but uh, I'm just, you know, I'm looking at a 49ers team that really underperformed last week. And I think it has much more to do with their defense than like, Oh, Hey, we're missing our quarterback. No, that makes sense. And the quarterback, I think, is probably, like you said, probably a pretty negligible difference depending on who's starting there. Like Jimmy G is, I mean, not who everyone thought he was and is maybe just a little bit above league average, if if that even. So, no, good points. What are your thoughts, Connor? Yeah, I think that there's, like, I think Miami is definitely going to win some games that they, you know, have no business winning. And this could be one of those spots. There's also just like a, a note about, you know, their defense so far in a lot of the metrics you know, they're last in yards per play allowed, um, 24th in rushing success rate, last in passing success rate. But, I mean, the massive, massive, like, asterisk is that it came against the Seahawks, Patriots, and Bills, who are, top, like, three of the top teams. And then they, you know, essentially locked down the Jaguars, who are actually, like, a, I mean, decent offense is what I would say. You know, they're definitely not near the bottom. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, that is something to note in that, against an offense like the 49ers I mean I don't really see them as anything that's like you know much like much better than the Jaguars I mean maybe they are but like with it with a healthy you know unit but I don't think that they're still fully healthy in a lot of areas so um it's I think I think that Friedman's right here I think that the Dolphins and the points are probably the way to play it I don't know if I'm going to do it but I think that's probably the right way to go about it yeah, I get it. I don't think I'd lay eight and a half per se, but you know, um, I'd be no weird things happen in Miami, especially early in the season, the first half of the season. So if that was this, I'd be on board because I think you'd probably see the Niners still catching like or laying six, six and a half in that spot, which would probably be a little too high. But through all the injuries and all the things that they've had happen, they still are first in the league in passing success rate allowed. They are second in points per drive. I mean, they are still getting it done and um yeah, I just don't know that this is necessarily a spot for for Miami, but I, I do think probably if I'm laying the points one side, I get your points on on Miami. There are some props that'll be interesting here too. I think you know it looks like Devontae Parker kind of sliding back into alpha role that we saw. You know, maybe we just haven't seen Gasecki emerge like we were thinking. It looks like Preston Williams isn't really fully healthy. His snap role or snap share just kind of dropping a little bit week after week. And it looks like Isaiah Ford is like an ascending player. This arrow pointing up a little bit. Only Parker ran more routes than him last week. Um, you know, six targets, 
seems to be his baseline the last couple of games. That could be interesting. He's probably going to be pretty cheap in the prop market too. Again, just on name value alone, there might even be books that don't even post Isaiah Ford props because he's Isaiah Ford. So um, I get it. You guys make some good points. McKinnon is the guy that I'm really interested in if we don't have Mostert. Um, obviously, his work in the passing game on a full point PPR site like DraftKings is going to be something that I'm interested in, especially to your point. If this one is a little closer than we think, then um, I'm a little encouraged with that. All right. Uh, next, we have the unstoppable force against the immovable object. Uh, Giants on the road against the Cowboys. Uh, nine and a half is the spread here, total at 54 and a half. Uh, Giants in their anemic offense traveled to Dallas, the land of milk and honey for opposing NFL offenses. Really brutal start to the season for the Giants here. Uh, back-to-back road games for them. Notable, obviously, going from New York to L.A., back to New York and Dallas. That's a pretty decent amount of travel. Um, I, I know that Dallas is the get-right spot for everyone, but this, this Giants team is like, they're not good. And having really high expectations of Daniel Jones in this offense, I think, is a little foolish. Uh, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Freeman. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, early in the week, I thought that lots of people would be talking about uh, Daniel Jones and cash, and like some some people were just because it was you know he's so cheap and it's such a good matchup, and you know. But I think that talk has kind of died down a little bit. But you know, we'll just kind of see what the uh, echo chamber produces later in the week. But uh, man, I'm just you know maybe part of this is because I'm a Cowboys fan, but uh, I think anything less than ten. I don't want to say it feels like an insult, but uh, I, I think the Cowboys should smoke the Giants here. Uh, and I know that the Cowboys offense has been bad. I mean, sorry, their defense has been bad. But, uh, you know, like as you said, kind of about the Miami defense, uh, they've allowed a lot of points to some really good opposing offenses. Uh, and so I'm, you know, hopeful maybe that uh, they're not quite as bad uh, as they uh, appear to have been. Uh, at certain points this season and uh, the Giants, I mean, as you say, like their offense is just total trash, like easily dead last in the league and points scored. And if there is a collection of defenders on this planet that knows just exactly how bad Jason Garrett's offense is, it's the defense that had to practice against it for over a decade in Dallas. Uh, and so I think these guys, uh, they might have an edge that isn't necessarily accounted for uh, and just being able to go against this offense. Yeah, it's uh, I'm interested to see, like you said, the echo chamber with Daniel Jones, because I still think we'll start to see it. But again, I know we get lost in our bubble and um, you know, there are a lot of people that are entering contests on, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel that are not necessarily swept up into the echo chamber as you, properly called it but uh what are your thoughts on this one connor it's definitely an interesting one i thought in the look aheads it was like 10 i thought when i wrote it up i thought it was going to climb to 12 and a half or 13 but again you know dallas kind of laid a stinker and the giants at least showed up at least a little bit i don't even know that they showed up but the rams kind of at least didn't run away with it yeah i mean what you said really um like it hit it on the head here with like who these teams are. The Giants in four games have scored 16, 13, 9, and 9 points. Meanwhile, the Cowboys have allowed 20, 39, 38, and 49 points. I mean, I, I think that the issue is, is that like it's it's harder for a really bad offense to play good than it is for a really bad defense to to uh or a really bad defense to play good. So I think that like it's gonna be I think it's going to be harder for Daniel Jones to be able to score like 20 to 24 points in this game just because they like, I mean, a bad offense scores like, you know, 17 points a game, 14 points a game. They don't score nine points a game twice. Like that is like just embarrassing. Um, So I don't know. I think that maybe, you know, maybe they end up around like 17 ish points, 20 points, but uh, I like the team total under here, maybe for the giants. Um, But just in general, I think maybe attack this game through Tate and Slayton props. Um, but that would be that would be about it. Maybe a bounce back week for Slayton because this Cowboys secondary has been really bad. I'm just not sure that the Giants are going to be able to punch it in when it comes down to it. The Cowboys have had like 307 snaps so far this year. They've led for seven snaps, um, which is just wild. I mean, obviously the you know onside kick and what happened with that to get their 
that win. But I feel like with the coach speak in the, uh, we heard after the Cleveland game about like time of possession and all those things, I feel like McCarthy is really going to make sure that this is a Zeke week. And I, you know, I don't know that they can hang the prop numbers high enough for what I think we're going to see from him this week. And then to your point, Connor, I mean, I, the Giants are going out of their way to prove that a high volume passing offense does not automatically equate offensive success. I mean, Jones parlayed 45 dropbacks last week into 190 yards and nine points. So it just doesn't necessarily mean that anything's going to come of it. And again, if Dallas is controlling the ball with a lead, we just haven't seen that this year. So I don't know that it looks like a spot, even though the Giants defense sucks, it's going to be hard for Dak to get to that, you know, 380, 450 range that he's been just hanging out in, rolling out of bed and, and throwing 450 to start the season. So um interested to see Devontae Freeman, Connor, all your Devontae Freeman shares uh, look like they're, you know, booming. Oh, um, yeah. He's a PPR monster. Dusty Devontae is about to crush. Yeah. Big snap uh, rate improvement last week. So be interesting to see what happens there. And we all want to make Dallas a three-headed monster at receiver. It's been Amari Cooper and everyone else trailing behind. So this is kind of one of those, like, check the box, Amari at home as a favorite in the division, I think historically has been a yeah. really good spot. So that's, that's a Friedman tweet. Isn't it like every week? I think. You yeah. It, good, yeah. Uh, this is, this is the CSU Ram dream game <laughs> right here. So it's, it's bound to go poorly, but uh, it feels as if it should go incredibly well. If only CSU Ram can get a little bit of luck on his side, you know, <laughs> yeah, that guy, that guy's known for being totally unlucky. Yeah. Gosh, <laughs> just hopefully this is the week he can turn it all around. All right, next we have uh, Denver on the road against the Patriots. Uh, we don't know what's going on with this one. It's off books in some places. I think we're seeing eight out there in some spots. Again, we have no idea what's happening at quarterback for New England. And the NFL has a, an amazingly ass-backwards COVID rule that somehow actually could allow Cam to play this week if he is asymptomatic and tests negative. So like that's on the table for some reason, which seems crazy. Obviously, with Stefan Gilmore getting a positive today, New England basically not practicing all week. Um, you know, if they play this one, if it, you know, this is hopefully just with Gilmore, we don't have a, a outbreak here in New England. We maybe see Stidham if we don't see Cam. I don't know. It was really rough for, for Brian Hoyer on Monday nights. Uh, yeah, Denver, the hits keep coming for them as well. I mean, they get injury after injury after injury. Looks like no Noah Fant for this one. KJ Hamler out as well. Uh, what are your thoughts, Connor, on your Broncos? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have too much to add here. I think this game, there's so much like speculation with is this game played and like, you know, how much, like what's going on with Gilmore. So I don't know. I, I think that there's a decent chance that, you know, this, this doesn't wind up getting played with, with Gilmore, especially. But um, yeah, I mean, lean, you know, bet the Broncos, bet the house on them. You don't know what's going on. They're going to win. <laughs> that's, you know, that's at the end of the day. That's the way to go. <laughs> Any thoughts here, Freeman? Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add from the game perspective because there's just so much yeah. that's unknown. But, uh, you know, bigger picture, kind of interested in what we see out of Damian Harris in his his second game there. You know, does he replicate what we saw? Does he add on top of his rushing workload some some receiving? Because, you know, reports out of training camp were that he was actually one of the better pass catching backs that the team had in camp, which was really encouraging. Uh, I'd like to see that in an actual game. Uh, maybe, maybe we see that. Yeah. I think that's really the piece is the receiving workload. And then on Monday night too, again, one game, but even in the red zone inside the, you know, 20 and 10, we saw Rex and we saw James white. So I would love to see some snaps for Harris when they get in the scoring position as well. Uh, otherwise it's just, maybe a little bit better version of, of Sony Michelle. And I don't think that's what we were thinking we were getting with all those, those camp reports you were talking about. So definitely be watching that one. All right. Next we have the Colts on the road against the Browns uh, two point favorites here on the road for the Colts total at 46 on FanDuel. This one's moving as well. Two weeks in a row for Indy as a short road favorite uh, just does not necessarily feel right to me. Um, they really, I don't know what to make of them. I guess it's just, such a cupcake schedule so far. Uh, I personally thought Cleveland was a viable playoff team coming in. They're three and one and getting points at home, and they've looked pretty decent. I know they're dealing with a, an injury here with without Nick Chubb, but um, I got in on the Browns early, getting the two and a half. Um, I still like it getting plus number because I feel like this should at least be a pick'em. If you do think that 
the Colts are what they've shown against a really crappy schedule to start. What are your thoughts, Freeman? Yeah, I don't really have uh, an opinion on the side or the total, but uh, I mean, certainly seems like you were right to to grab it where you did because it just continues to move towards a pick Um From a player perspective, the thing that has really caught my eye recently is what we've seen out of Zach Paschal and uh, his continued march towards the number one job uh, as, as a receiver there, uh, playing primarily out of the slot, but uh, still moving across the formation and, you know, basically doing everything that we would hope that T.Y. Hilton would do. Um, but I mean, Hilton at this point just sadly looks washed. Uh, and this is an offense that isn't passing the ball all that much. So, you know, there's a question as to how much is Zach Pascal actually worth? But I mean, a guy who's getting as much market share as he's getting, uh, kind of regardless of whatever offense he's in, he's someone who needs to be paid attention to. I believe he is in Herms Myers uh, by low air yards model this week too, which is yeah something you love to see. Um, and I know Kareem Hunt. You know we got we got to see what happens. Yeah. I know the usage last week was a little wonky. Again, I think they probably were just a, a little concerned with him, obviously coming off of you know groin injury and. and and maybe being questionable up until game time. But, uh, you know, if we have really encouraging practice reports here, uh, pretty encouraged with his spot here. What are your thoughts, Connor? Yeah, originally I leaned, you know, Cleveland like you did, but I think that um, I think this could be an under game here. Um, the totals already moved from 47 and a half to 46. Something that's too high. I mean, Indy's been playing, you know, lights out defense, albeit against like a, a really bad schedule, but they're, you know, number one in DVOA, number one yards. Uh, yards per drive allowed, like pretty much every metric they're in the top five. Um, and I know that Cleveland's defense hasn't been that good, but I don't think Rivers looks very good. T.Y. Holden doesn't look very good. Um, I don't really see this offense clicking too much beyond uh, um, just, you know, Jonathan Taylor potentially running against them, but I don't really think that's Cleveland's main weakness right now. Um, so, yeah, I think that this could be a game where, where they end up going under and I would probably lean Cleveland, you know, to maybe upset them. But I think that this is, this is a tough spot here. I think, you know, I mean, you pointed it out like two weeks ago here with Cleveland saying like, there's no way that Indy should be laying, you know, three points uh, on the road against the Browns who you thought was, were underrated. So, I mean, it's a good call by you and I'd lean Cleveland and probably the under here. All right. We're going to skip the Buffalo Tennessee game because, Tennessee is skipping all sorts of social norms and responsibilities. And we don't even know if this game is going to happen at this point. So it's really hard to break it down. We don't really have a number on it and uh, don't even know if it's going to play. So move on to the Vikings on the road, the Seahawks to wrap us up here. Uh, Seahawks favored by seven total of 57 and a half. Um, yeah. I mean, after a little, no practice time in week three, due to obviously the pre-mentioned Titans mess uh, Vikings pulled out a road win last week in Houston. Now they're on the road again this week, traveling to Seattle in prime time, which is historically a spot. We know Kirk cousins loves primetime games. He's just thrived. So um, that, and really what we've seen from Seattle, I'm really stunned. This one's moves Minnesota's way again. Look ahead's had it nine and a half. And now we're seeing it at seven. I think obviously the win helped Minnesota, but what are your thoughts here Freeman? Yeah, this hit six and a half at one point, and, and like at one book, and I I bet it immediately. No. I just I don't understand no. this. Um, I got seven. No, it, no. I mean, it, it feels like uh, yeah, we we should see Seahawks minus ten yeah. or something like that. Like that that feels like much more within the realm of uh, of reality. But I mean, the Vikings they've seemingly emerged in the past couple of weeks and that they have, you know, at this point now two viable wide receivers. It's not just funneling everything to Adam Thielen. So, you know, you would think that maybe uh, given that Seattle has a really bad pass defense, maybe the Vikings can kind of go toe to toe and keep this close, but I just, I still don't see it. Uh, I, I don't think that that Vikings offense is that good. Uh, and plus, I'll just say, like, I don't know if Seattle's pass defense is actually as bad as it looked in weeks one through three, uh, going that it was uh, given that it was going against, uh, you know, three of the the better offenses uh, in the league in weeks one through three. And then last week uh, looked actually pretty decent against the Dolphins. Now, does that mean anything? I, I don't know. But I mean, at least it was like it was improvement. And I would say, I don't know if the Vikings pass offense is significantly better than the Dolphins pass offense. Uh, and so I just, I don't think it should be this close. 
Totally agree. I mean, Vikings giving up the highest rate of explosive pass plays in the league. I mean, if you just want to boil it down to one stat, I mean, it just is a really bad matchup uh, taking out any Kurt Cousins narrative stuff. What are your thoughts, Connor? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same. The only other thing that I would add here would be, um, I mean, beyond, I think you should take Seattle at seven here if you can still get that. And obviously anything lower you should bet, you know, immediately and as much as possible. Um, but uh, I think Minnesota's passing offense should have a little bit of success with, you know, Justin Jefferson emerging. And I'm interested to see what his props come out. I know that Friedman made a good point about Seattle secondary probably not being as bad as they have been. Um, I think that, you know, Justin Jefferson has proven to be, you know, good enough that I think he can take advantage of, um, you know, a number of secondaries at this point. So I'm maybe he doesn't go for 100 yards again, but I think that, you know, his props are going to be something to look out for for sure. Yeah, Jefferson is legit. Yeah, it's exciting awesome. to to see him uh to see him emerge, especially moving from the slot to the perimeter because entering the league there was kind of this stigma that he was only a slot receiver. And so seeing him have success on the outside is really huge for his potential and like long term in the NFL. Yeah. And really of all things we make fun of Cousins, he does lead the league in ADOT right now. So they are having to take some shots downfield and having a second option there has really emerged. You know, they're not even using you know, Dalvin Cook as much in the passing game as you would want. You know, there's really been nothing from the tight end position. So Jefferson and Thielen as a one-two punch is at least a little bit promising for them for the rest of the season. So all right, we're going to skip. I'll give you the uh, fishy teaser of the week on the uh, Twitter handle this week over at Move the Line NFL. Um, Freeman, tell everyone where they could find your stuff. So, uh, yeah, Action Network, uh, early in the week, I publish a wide receiver and cornerback matchup piece, uh, and a early, uh, early look at some lines that I think are exploitable, kind of based on certain trends in our database. And then, you know, throughout the week, I publish the fantasy positional breakdowns at Fantasy Labs. And then we also have the, uh, the pod on, uh, you know, Wednesday mornings that comes out, the Fantasy Flex. And then every day I do, uh, an AMA on Twitter and uh, I haven't done the one for today yet. So that's, that's coming up after, after the show. Some of the best content on the, uh, the Twitter app for sure. So you can find Freeman at Matt F the Oracle on Twitter. You can find Connor there at Connor Allen NFL. I'm there as well at Ryan Noonan. Again, we've uh, expanded the ways you can consume move the line this year. You can find us on Twitch streaming on Periscope, YouTube, along with all the different podcast feeds that are out there. So, Uh, I want to thank Freeman again for joining us. So for Connor and Matt, we'll be back next week to unpack week six. Good luck, everyone.